honestly believe that God has a word for us today, a message uh, to move us, a truth to touch us, no matter where we are in life. You know, some of you guys out there, as you're watching, uh, you're on the high road. I would say it that way. You're kind of doing good in your walk with God. And I'm blessed by that. I'm inspired by that. Uh, others of you out there watching, maybe if I could say it this way, and I know it sounds kind of weird, but you're on the, the side road. And by that, I mean that life has been tough. And maybe you haven't really been as close to God as, uh, as you could be or maybe as you should be. Uh, my heart goes out to you. Uh, we're going to see those two types of people in our study today. If you have a Bible, I encourage you, open up to Luke chapter 24. And it's very important that we follow along in our Bibles as we kind of hone in on the those that are walking on the high road, so to speak, and those that are on that, the side road. Because notice what we read here in Luke chapter 24 beginning in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. And then they returned to the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And so when I look at this story right here with these lovely ladies, I would categorize them as ladies that were on, on the high road. Uh, they were in a good place with God. If you think about it, they went to Jesus. They were still willing to serve him and his body. They, they were not ashamed to be Jesus' followers, even though they were in excruciating pain, and they didn't understand what was going on. You know, they, they didn't have all the answers, but they knew enough about Christ to keep believing in him. And they're such an inspiration to us when you really think about it. Uh, what an awesome testimony these ladies had and that they still believed in the midst of all their pain and all their questions. You know, if I had to guess, I would say most of you out there that are watching on an Easter service, you're kind of like on that road. You know, you're a lovely lady. You're a good guy in that sense and that you believe and it's just so beautiful, right? But if you're honest, at the end of the day, we all have to admit that there's a lot of things going on in life that we don't understand. Just like these ladies, we don't understand. You know, there are many things about God's plans that leave us perplexed and in terrible pain. We don't know everything. We don't know a lot of things. But we know enough about Jesus to consider ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ. And we go to him and we serve him, just like these ladies did. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're on that road, 
to keep walking with him. Because really the way it works is this. The more you believe, the more you receive. The more you just show up, the more he'll show you who he is. You know, it's kind of like I always go back to that scene in the Chronicles of Narnia with uh, Lucy and Aslan. And Aslan is a symbol of Jesus. And one day she looks at him and she says, wow, you're so much bigger than you used to be. And, and Aslan said to her, when you grow, I grow. See, in the world that we live in, and as Christians and as a pastor, there are a lot of things I don't understand. But I still believe. I still go to Jesus. I still serve him. That's the road that we live on as Christians. None of us have all the answers to all the questions. There's a lot of things that we don't know, but we know enough about Jesus to continue to believe in him. And that's where these ladies were. You know, when you think about it, as we grow, uh, then we'll know more and more the reality of our creator and the reality of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened really that first Easter morning. As the ladies went, they walked by faith. God is going to show up even more so. You know, it must have been a wonderful morning when you think about it. After all that morning, as these lovely ladies, they traveled to the tomb early that Sunday to finish anointing the dead body of Christ, to kind of like say their final farewell to his body, only to hear the awesome angelic announcement that he's not dead after all. He's not dead, like he said. That's what the angels say. And they give him the, the news that he's defeated the, the death. He's gutted the grave. He's conquered the coffin. He has triumphed over the tomb. I mean, what an awesome morning that must have been after all that morning. Friday was a Y day. Saturday was a Saturday. It was Saturday, but now Sunday after all that morning. What an awesome morning to hear that announcement from the lips of the angels that he's not here, that he's risen from the dead. You know, it reminds me of that passage in Psalm 30 in verse 5 where it says, weeping may endure for a night. And for a lot of us here, weeping endures for many nights. But joy comes in the morning. And that's what these ladies experienced. You know, today on Easter Sunday, after that gory cross, we Christians, we celebrate the fact that he lives. And because he lives, we also live both now and forever. One of the things that's so beautiful about the Christian life is that we don't have to wait until we die in order to live this powerful life. It happens the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he is risen, we also will rise as believers and followers in, of Jesus Christ. And so here we are. I mean, that's to me the most wonderful news in the whole wide world. You know, even though we're hunkered down at home, don't let it steal our joy. As a matter of fact, I was imagining that some of you are probably all happy because you didn't have to get dressed up and you're still in your PJs, huh? Some of you guys watching. Um, I do encourage you to eventually get dressed up and take a photo and put it on Instagram. But, but in the middle of all this um, pandemic and in the middle of all this pain, don't allow it to steal the joy of this day. You know, some might say, well, wait a minute, Manny, people are, are dying, and it is true. Uh, when sin entered the world, death entered the world. And yesterday, over 6,000 people died from this virus. 
Uh, over 150,000 people die every day. Another 125,000 baby, babies are aborted every day. 275,000 people die every day on planet Earth. There's a lot of death in this world. And so you, you look at that, and, and what you realize at the end of the day, though, is that this virus, in one sense, has reminded us of the reality of our mortality. You know, as we are, we're wearing masks, as we're exercising social distance, as we're doing all that we can, we might be able to delay it, but we can't escape it. One day we will all cross that bridge. But that's the significance of this day that we call Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that even when death comes knocking at our door, we don't have to be afraid. Just let the one who has defeated death be the answer. His name is Jesus. Are you a follower of Christ? I, I pray that you are. I remember that story of a missionary who wanted to teach a group of people the significance of the resurrection of Christ. And so he said to them, suppose I'm traveling and I've reached a place where the road branches off in many different directions. I don't know which way to go and so I look for a guide. I find two men with guide badges on. One is dead, one is alive. Question, which one of the two must I ask for directions, the dead or the living? And even though these uh, guys that the missionaries are teaching were kind of new Christians, wet behind the ears, they knew the answer. And they knew that the one that you ask for questions in that place is the one who's alive. And that's what we do as Christians. If that's the case in the travels of this life, how much more so in preparing for the next life? Christianity is simply following the one who defeated death and is alive. You know, one of the ways we follow Christ is by listening to his word. And it's here, it's so cool as we read through Luke that we get the full story of Resurrection Sunday. You know, it's interesting that when the lady saw the empty tomb and they heard the word, they ran back to the guys to tell them the news, but the guys thought it was nonsense. Notice again what we read in verse 11. It says, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. You know, John, in his gospel, chapter 20, he tells us that he and Peter, they actually ran to the tomb and they saw it empty. And so here's the thing. I think if we were there and we had walked with Christ for three, three and a half years, to be honest, and in all honesty, they should have known he would rise. After all that he said, after all that he did, they should have known that he would rise. But from a purely empirical standpoint, that wouldn't be enough evidence to prove that anyone had risen from the dead. They needed to see, uh, I guess in that sense, not just an empty tomb, but they needed to see a, a risen Lord. And eventually they did. After his resurrection, as you continue to read this story, you'll find that before Jesus' ascension, he appeared to them for 40 days. We read that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 
As a matter of fact, at one event, there were over 500 witnesses of the risen Lord, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6. And so I, I think in, in one sense, in looking at this, what we find is that the, the ladies, they took the high road, that they didn't need all that craziness. They knew the Lord enough to believe in him. And all of us here, I think for us as Christians, for the most part, that's where we are. You know, we find ourselves in this situation where we don't have all the answers. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that we don't understand. But we know enough about Jesus and we have experienced him personally that we will continue to walk by faith and not by feelings. And that is the ladies, right? They are there and they're on that high road. But then as we continue through the story here, it's interesting. We're going to talk about a couple of guys that were on the side road. They were kind of like on the Y road. They were down. They were wandering. They were wondering. And then what happens is this wonderful Jesus comes to them. And it's here I kind of want to focus with you. In Luke chapter 24, notice it in verse 13. It says, Now behold... Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and you not know the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that he had seen, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Some of you guys, you know, you're you're like the ladies, uh, and and I and I I would include myself there, even as a guy who's read the Bible many times, who has a lot of uh, you know years as a Christian. There's more that I don't understand than I do. There's a lot of days that are dark. There's a lot of pain that I experience even as a pastor. This world and it is so much is going on. But we walk by faith. We continue to go to Jesus. We continue to serve him. We continue to serve his body. That's what we do because there is enough about him that we know, like the ladies. But, but then there are those, and, it, and it's understandable. My heart kind of goes out to you. Because there are many people who, who have so many questions and they wonder why. 
And as a result of that, a lot of times that wondering causes a wandering. And that's what happened to these two disciples. When all this was happening, you know what ends up happening is they start walking in a different direction. You know, it's interesting. A couple of disciples identified in verse 13 as two of them were traveling that same day that Jesus rose from the dead to a village called Emmaus. It was about a seven miles journey west of Jerusalem. And so it was a pretty good walk. And they were talking about all the things that had gone on the last few days and more than likely the last few years. You know, we read there in verse 15, notice it says, and they conversed and they reasoned. And so the word there in the Greek language, it speaks of seeking or examining together. It speaks of discussing, questioning, disputing, and even debating. Well, Kenneth Wiest, he's a Greek scholar, he says it was an animated and heated conversation. And so they're going at it, but right in the middle of all that, the Bible says there in verse 15 and 16 that Jesus himself drew near and he went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they didn't recognize him. More than likely, Christ concealed himself because he wanted to have a deep conversation before his dramatic revelation. And, and one of the things I've noticed about, about Jesus, he's so compassionate, man. He's not like someone is going to slap you up the side of the head and say, what's wrong with you? Why do you even doubt? Why do you have questions? He knows we live in a fallen world, and he knows the pain, and he knows the struggles, and he knows that we have questions, and he knows that, that we wander. And he's so loving that he would actually come to us in the middle of all that in the middle of all our struggles. And, uh, and, and he just kind of joins in their walk. He joins in their conversation. He enters into their life. And, and as they're there, these disciples, are, or they're on the wrong road. They're walking the wrong way. And in one sense, they're almost running away from where they belonged. You know, their dreams were shattered. You know, they're deeply disappointed they were depressed on the road to defeat because they had misconceptions about life and they had misconceptions about the Messiah. And so they were there and, and Jesus goes to them, he joins them and he asks them not only about their conversation, but you notice that he asks them about their countenance. He tells them, he asks them, why are you sad? You know, that's the heart of, of the Lord. You know, Cleopas, he, he basically says, it's strange that you don't know what's going on. You've got to be the only one who doesn't know about these things. And, and Jesus says, what things? Basically, what he's doing, he's trying to draw it out of them. He's trying to draw it out of them. And that's, I think, the way the Lord is. He's so cool. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in life is as I'm going through struggles, I'm going, you know, through my uh, pain, through my turmoil, through my trials, through my testings, you know, one of the best places for me to be is just to go and be alone with the Lord and just start pouring out my heart. God, these are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the questions that I have. This is the way I perceive things. You know, it's not that the Lord doesn't know. It's just sometimes we need to articulate it to Him. And as the Lord is there and He joins them and He's talking to them and He's walking with them and He's reaching out to them because He loves them He doesn't want them to go the wrong way, as he's there and he's having this heart-to-heart -heart conversation with them, he, he says, what things? What, what are you guys talking about? Let me hear it. 
And, and then, you know, they, they tell him, well, there was, it was a prophet, you know, who had the most powerful words and works before all the people. Everyone knew it. Everyone saw it. But the chief priests and the rulers, they condemned him to death and they crucified him. And we thought he was the Christ. We thought he was the anointed one, the Messiah. We were actually hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But they said he suffered like a common criminal and just hung there and he died. And when he died, all my dreams die. And then they say to make the whole Messiah thing even messier. Some ladies are spreading lies that they went into the tomb and his body wasn't there. They said the angels told them that Jesus was alive. And a couple of our friends and followers, they did go to the tomb, but no one saw him. And so, you know what we just said? We're out of here. We need some space. We need to practice social distancing big time. None of this makes sense to us. And so we're gone. And when you look at that, what we find is that a lot of people in this world are experiencing that. You know, some, you know, they're, they're on the high road. They, they, they know that they, we will never have all the answers on this side of time. That, you know, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that we don't understand. But when we ever come across something we don't understand, we fall back on what we do understand. We know who Jesus is. We know that he is the most influential figure who has ever lived. We know that when he came, he spoke the greatest words ever spoken. He did the greatest deeds ever done. That he he made the, the lame to walk and the blind to see and the mute to speak and the deaf to hear. That we know Jesus, he healed the sick and he even raised the dead to life. We know who he is. We know that he conquered the world through love. We know that when he died, he rose again. We know these things. And so as we go through life and we, f- we find ourselves with all these questions, with all these things that you know, we don't understand, we still serve him. We still serve him. That, that's the ladies who are so lovely. That's the, the guys who know what grace is. That's what we do as Christians. We walk by faith and not by feelings, right? But then there are those that they don't take the high road, they take the side road, they take the Y road. They, they wonder about everything and so they wander away from the Lord. But the Lord is so good and that he would come to them and he would join them in life and he's willing to have that conversation with them. He's willing to hear all their cries and all their complaints. He's willing to talk to them about all these things, about the way that they feel that their dreams were shattered and their life was supposed to go in this direction, and it's not. And the Lord says, just tell me, let's talk about this. Because as we share our heart, then God begins to reason with them. And we're going to see that, you know, a lot of times those, 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 those tragedies are turned into victories. That those calamities, all those things, all the pain, it has a purpose. We just have to continue to follow Jesus Christ. We have to listen to him. He comes to us and he's wanting to bring us back to that road that we belong on. You know, as we're looking at these guys right here and all this is going on, you know, uh, some people think they're, they're wise because they don't follow Jesus. But he says, sorry, 
you know, in all reality, the wise do follow the Lord. You know, wise men still seek him. I, I was thinking about over history, all the brilliant men, all the geniuses, men and women who are Christians. I was thinking about this one guy, Eric Metaxas. He's one of the modern day uh, Christians, a graduate of Yale University, loves the Lord, so articulate, so brilliant, and a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, you see it throughout the years, whether it's someone like Simon Greenleaf or the scientists of the past or you know, someone like a C.S. Lewis. These are men who thought everything through. And as they did, they became followers of Christ. You know, what we find these guys right here, when you look at this, it, it, Jesus begins to speak to them and he says, Hey, you guys, what's going on? And they said, Well, this was our conception of uh, the Messiah. This is what, the way that we thought it should have gone down and, and, and it didn't and he died and now these ladies are spreading this you know crazy you know word that supposedly he's not there that he's risen from the dead and so I'm just out of here and, and then it's so cool because what I see in life is that some they wonder so they wander but then the wonderful Lord comes and he shares with them what's true and notice what we read next in verse 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, we're thinking, well, that, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. You know, that's not part of, of the plan. You know, that's just shattering my dreams. That doesn't make any sense. But then the Lord, he tells these guys, because they had a misconception of what the Messiah would be. You know, they thought the first time he came, he would come as a king and set up his kingdom. And, you know, that's it. But what we find is the Lord had two comings. And the first coming, he would come as a suffering savior. And so the Lord, what does he do is he points them to the scriptures and he says, this is where it's at. You guys got to know as you read your Bible, as you look at life, sin entered the world and death entered the world and Satan does his things and all these things happen. That, that all we see in the Old Testament has to do with the fact that in this world there will be a lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. We will suffer. God suffered. And as you look at the Old Testament, you know, the Lord is, starts in Moses and he just begins. Imagine what an amazing Bible study that must have been as God just went through the whole Old Testament. Jesus goes through the whole Old Testament and, uh, and he shares with them all the scriptures concerning this whole truth of how the Savior would have to suffer and die and then rise again. You know, Pastor Henry was talking about some of the archive messages that we're going to have available on our website. I hope this archive message is available one day when we're in heaven and we're able to see this or hear this from the Lord. Imagine, you know, going back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the very first prophecy where it says that the, the Messiah would crush the, the head of Satan. 
You know, when you go throughout the Old Scriptures, Old Testament Scriptures, in, in the book of Exodus, there was a burning bush. In, in the book of Exodus, there was the Passover lamb who was slain. And you read through the journeys of the children of Israel where the rock was smitten. You know, the Messiah wouldn't just be him glorious coming on a white stallion conquering. No, there's going to be a lot of suffering. There's going to be a lot of death. There's going to be a lot of blood. You read Psalm 22. You read Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26. How after 62 weeks, the Messiah would be cut off. That's what the, the Bible says. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. 13 verse 6. Isaiah 7 14. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. You read Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. I mean, it's just saturated throughout the scriptures the Lord says foolish ones slow in heart and not to believe in all that the prophets have spoken verse 26 ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter into his glory here's the thing I want to encourage you if you're out there and you're wandering because you're wondering I want to encourage you to, to let the Lord uh, speak to you as you open up the Bible. And as you open up the Bible, God will begin to speak to you the things that you need to hear. You know, the apostles eventually understood, and in the book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer... He has thus fulfilled. When Jesus died on that cross, and the Bible talks about it in the Old Testament, he bore our sins. You know, one of the beautiful things about Easter, to be honest with you, is just the fact that I know, that I know, that I know, that one day I'll be in heaven. And I'll be reconciled to my Lord. And I'll be reconciled to my loved ones. And I'll be reconciled to all those who have died in Christ. You know, I was thinking about Kobe Bryant for whatever reason. His name came to my mind last night as I was preparing for the study. And you guys probably know, and this is just a year, and you think about what happened. And so far, it's been so much heartache already. And yet, I was thinking about how on the day that he was uh, killed in the helicopter crash, that him and his daughter, they went to church. They went to church. What is that? That tells me that in his heart, there, there, was, a, there was a hope. There was a belief. There was a faith in Jesus. And so, as that helicopter is spinning and as it's heading down and it's about to crash... I'll bet almost anything that in his heart, he's calling on the name of Jesus. And, that, and the Bible says that as you call on the name of Jesus, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to, to, to be a perfect person. None of us are. I fail the Lord every single day of my life. I sin, I fall short. You know, so, so Manny, well, then how do you know, you know you're going to be in heaven? Well, it's because I know the gospel, that Jesus died for me. It's all in the Old Testament. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. I'm washed white, clean, perfect by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, when we sinned against God, it was an infinite offense. And therefore, none of us could ever pay that debt because none of us are infinite. That's why God had to send his son who was infinite to pay that infinite offense for us. And as we believe in Jesus, 
then we're clean and we're, for, we're free, we're, we're forgiven. And that's why, you know, I, I was thinking last night again, I was thinking, wow, Lord, more than likely I'm going to see Kobe in heaven. And I'll probably be just as tall as him too because I have a feeling that in heaven things are a little different. Uh, you know, again, this is, you know, the way life is. There's this thing called sickness, suffering, and, and death. I'm, again, not to sound callous or in any way, but this whole coronavirus thing that we're experiencing, it's one of the, the most horrible things. Um, we've seen it, you know, things similar throughout history. This is unique in the sense that as, as people are dying there, they can't even have their loved ones by their side to comfort them. But, but uh, uh, on another note, and I wanted to share this, I'll bet you almost anything that many of those people, if they didn't already know the Lord, they're getting saved on their deathbed because now they're, they're looking at death square in the face. And it's not like you have to go and, and do all the good works to, to be saved. You don't. I was reading about the Catholic Church and how they were kind of uh, grieved or upset or whatever, disappointed that they can't go and offer the last sacraments, the last rites, you know, to the person who's dying. But, but again, not to question their motives or anything, but you don't need that. All you need is faith in Christ. And I have a hunch that this virus, again, not necessarily authored by God, but allowed by God to remind us of the reality of our mortality, that God is going to use it in our lives. And not only, you know, in all of our lives, but even in those who are dying. Because now they know they have to settle their accounts with God. And the way that they do it, the way that we do this, is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, you're, you're, you're wondering so many questions, and so you're wondering. But Jesus comes to you, the wonderful Savior, and he says, I know life is hard, and I know you suffer, but understand, I suffered too. You know, you may have heard this. People have been talking about this, how, you know, it's going to be a really rough week for us in Southern California, and it is. But that was a rough week for him where he was mocked and scourged and crowned with two-inch thorns that were hammered into his head. They put a bag over his face and they beat him and they said, prophesy to us, who struck you? And they mocked him and then he bore the sins of the world and he experienced the separation from his father in the darkness that you and I will never ever begin to understand. I know you wonder, but don't let it make you wonder. Because the wonderful one has entered into your sorrows. And he knows your pain. And what he's trying to tell you is, hey, I will give purpose to it. You know, the mess will one day be a message. The test will one day be a testimony. Just don't lose heart. Don't stay on the side road. Don't stay on the Y road. Take the high road where you walk by faith and not by feelings. And so here we see as they get this amazing Bible study from Jesus, it says in verse 28, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And, and he went in to stay with them. 
Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And I'd like to close with that. You know, it's, they're on the road and, and, you know, that's, it's just the reality of it. I'm not allegorizing it. I mean, the reality of it is that Jesus comes to us. That Jesus comes and he enters into our life and he wants to enter into our conversations and he, and he wants to hear our cries. He wants to hear our complaints. He wants to hear our questions. And then, you know, as, as he's listening and then he's saying, okay, let's open up the Bible together. And he shares with us the things that we need to hear. But then as they're going down the road, it's interesting. You know, he, he'll keep going. He won't force himself. But, but these guys, they're like, hey, abide with us, stay with us, it's getting late. And, and when we welcome the Lord into our life, it's so beautiful. So the Lord uh, uh, obliges and he stays with them. And it's just so beautiful to see that as they're ready to, to then uh, have dinner and, and break bread together, it says, and then their eyes were opened and they were able to see who he was. And then he vanished from their sight. You know, um, in the scriptures, I think there's nine times where Jesus broke bread for them. And we don't know for sure how at that, that point they recognized him. It, it could have been just the way that he prayed. It, it could have been the way that he lifted up the bread and broke it. It could have been that they saw the nail-pierced hands. Somehow, some way, they recognized that it was Jesus. And then just all things, everything just came together. And as this whole thing concludes, to me, I just think it's so beautiful. It says in verse 33, So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. To me, that's just a great way for us to be able to close our message today. You know, because he has risen, we also will rise. But it's a decision that each of us has to make. Will you rise up and return to Jerusalem? Will you rise up and return to the Lord? You know, if we do, if we make that decision uh, concerning who Jesus is and placing our faith in him, acknowledging the fact that we're sinners in need of a savior, if we're willing to go back and imagine the faith and just the excitement they had at that point, understanding really what this was all about, imagine that, willing to take that seven-mile journey even in the, in the dark, that's how excited they were. That's where we need to be as well. You know, my prayer is that you would rise up, that you would place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you would return to where you belong. And as you rise up in that sense, the truth is, the Bible says in John fourteen nineteen, because he lives, we also will live. Because at the end of the day, this is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. You know, inevitably, eventually, one day, we also will cross that bridge. And what we need at that point in time is the one who has conquered death. 
think it was uh, Warren Wiersbe who said, the best evidence that we have understood the Bible and met the living Christ is that we have something exciting to share with others. He said, we do not need a Savior who just helps us. We need a Savior who can rescue us. We don't simply need a Savior who helps us when life gets tough. We need a Savior who can help us when life ends. And that's what Jesus Christ has done, and that's who he is. You know, one day uh, we will cross that bridge, and when we do, we'll enter into glory. Some people say, well, the Old Testament it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the resurrected life. But it's interesting, the very first book ever written in the Bible is the book of Job. And in the book of Job, he said this. He said, I know one day when this flesh dies, one day when I die, he says, I will see God. And that's how we know, you guys, one day we'll be reconciled to him. You know, when we're there in heaven, imagine the power that we'll experience. No more sin or suffering or sickness or death or sadness or depravity or depression or any of that darkness or all that kind of stuff. It'll be gone. Why? Because we will receive that glorified body. You know, it was interesting. I was reading about Benjamin Franklin's epitaph, and I kind of wanted to close by reading it to you. It says, The body of Benjamin Franklin... Like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and strips of lettering and gilding lies here, food for worms. But the work shall not be wholly lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. And that's the hope that we have you know we're so um kind of i don't know if this is the right word we we look forward with great anticipation to the day that we can be together again as a congregation you know having to do this from a distance having to do this online in very many ways is challenging it's difficult it's definitely not as good it's not the same so we look forward to that day man imagine where, where Henry says, he is risen, and we get to hear you all say, he is risen indeed, and it will be loud, and it will be thunderous, it will be beautiful, it will be wonderful. We look forward to that day where we can congregate again as a church. But I tell you what, we look even forward in a greater way to that day, imagine, when we're all home in glory. But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And here it is. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. 
Some people, they, they have that question. Well, if God is so loving and God is, is God, why is there so much pain? Why are there so many tears? Why is there so much sickness? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much death? And God's answer is, well, because sin has entered the world, but one day there will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. It's our home in heaven. And because he lives and we believe in him, we also will live. And so God says right there, are you thirsty for that? Are you in a place where, you know, you've tried everything the world has to offer and your thirst hasn't been quenched and you're empty? Well, listen, there's an empty tomb proving that Jesus has conquered the coffin, gutted the grave, defeated death, triumphed over this whole tomb. And if you're thirsty, all you have to do today is come to the waters. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Drink from the living well. I know we live in tough times, and it's like a Friday. It's like a Y day. It's like a die day. And then there's a Saturday where things just seem to get sadder, and it's tough. I understand that. But Sunday, Sunday has come. The Son of God loves you, died for you, redeemed you, has gone before you. And all you have to do is place your faith in Him. I pray you would if you haven't done that. And I pray if somehow, some way, you've wandered because you've wondered that you would understand the wonderful love of Jesus Christ and that you would rise and return to Jerusalem.